Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It is great to have you here with us today. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Really does mean a lot. We are at episode 105, my friends. And today we are talking with a musician, an artist, so to speak. This is a gal, Jennifer Page, who is, uh, you may have heard her single. If you grew up in the 80s or 90s, she had this amazing single, Crush, that was a number one in 16 countries, sold more than 11 million copies worldwide, went five times platinum. And uh, so just a crazy story of how she got into that, how she got started. So uh, you need to also go back and listen to that song, Crush, because if you grew up around then, you're definitely going to recognize the song. I played part of it for my wife, and she's like, no way, I know that song. I, I remember listening to that. So definitely go back, check that out. Again, the song is Crush by our guest today, Jennifer Page. So let's get into it. Excited to share her story, her journey. Uh, also, make sure you stick around for the bonus material, because Jennifer's going to share a story with you, just this surreal, crazy moment moment that she had involving Britney Spears. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to tease that out there. So make sure you download that in the bonus. So let's get right into it, my friends. Here is my interview with Jennifer Page. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Jennifer Page, who is a singer, songwriter, also a podcast host uh, that we're going to be talking about. She has a great show called Breakthrough Artist that we're going to be getting into a little bit today, but excited to get into her story and journey. So, Jen, what is up? Welcome to the show. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm excited because we were just chatting a little bit beforehand that you live in Nashville. I think every 97% of musicians live in Nashville. We just moved here, although I have zero musical ability whatsoever. It's still cool to to be in the town. It's actually, it's like when you're a singer and living in Nashville, they're like, oh yeah, that's so cute. Oh, good. That's great. I'm like, no, no, really? No, I I do it for a living. Like I get, this is what I do. I assume it's probably similar to like the number of actors that you meet in LA or New York. Oh, it's absolutely that. I used to love being a singer in LA instead of an actor because they'd kind of get, the poor actors would get the eye roll too. And you know, in LA and I was like special there here. I'm so not special. That's adorable. You just keep chasing your dream. You're going to make it someday. you little cutie. That's awesome. All right, so singer, songwriter, you get your hand in the music industry quite a bit. How much are you doing the songwriting stuff? How much are you doing the performing? Give us kind of an overview of what your business and career is like today. I do a little bit of everything, and that's pretty much what every artist has to do these days. So I I write my songs with very talented co-writers, usually, and then, you know, sometimes I recently released a Christmas record on my own, so without a label, which is totally an option these days. And then, you know, doing the new show, The Breakthrough Artist, for a podcast, and that's been awesome. And then I get to talk to a lot of cool people who are doing cool things in the music industry. So, yeah, I've kind of I'm still doing performance dates and I've been a performer from the time that I was a really little girl. So, this is pretty much all I know. It's just been my life. So, to me it just like I'm always just trying to keep myself interested. So, you know, when I start to kind of be like, oh, what can I do now? That's when I, you know, like do something like this podcast or do something new and different. So, this is pretty much all I know. Tell us a little bit more about The Breakthrough Artist. Tell us about the show. 
Well, it's been so much fun. It's been out for a couple months, and I've basically interviewed everybody from, you know, people in who are artists themselves, and they've had, like, tremendous success in some way or another, or people behind the scenes, like maybe I interviewed recently the Fox Sports TV and film supervisor. So she kind of places all the music and all the different shows on Fox and nice. Fox Sports and things like that. Just people, a lot of times people are talented, but they don't really know how to get their music in the right hands. And so they'll just randomly send out an email. Maybe the email says all the wrong things and they don't even know that they're saying all the wrong things. And so I'm just basically asking a lot of the people who are the decision makers, how do you like to be approached? what advice would you give and that sort of thing. So it's cool. It's more behind the scenes look at the industry. I'm assuming too, like for people that aren't interested necessarily in the music industry, that there's still, there's uh, even as you're describing that, I know nothing about the music industry, but I know that a lot of that would be relevant and applicable for anybody and just about any industry. It totally is. It's just like any industry. It really is because I think that's actually the problem with the mindset of musicians is that they think they're going to be discovered a lot of times, especially very, very new artists. And that's just not the truth. It's really not the truth. It really comes down to your own hustle and your own, I mean, you've got to have the talent, obviously, to some degree, but a lot of it is just who comes front of mind and who's hustling the most and, you know, all that stuff. It's just like any other business. Yeah, that's so true. Even as you described that most of my business and career has been as a speaker. And I I tell people all the time, I said, I'm not the best speaker in the world. There's plenty of people that are better speakers, but I will work as hard and can hustle and can make those connections that most people, it's like, we're just waiting, like, you said for someone to discover us or someone to give us a permission slip or to give us the ability to do something was like no, there's no like magical golden ticket that anybody's going to hand out to you totally 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 it's yeah it's just like any other business and I think it's really cool to kind of hear people's stories too so even if a person isn't into the music industry or has no desire to know it's just really cool to see how these people have become you know the top of their field yeah for sure now do you grow up in a musical family have you always had that musical ability Yeah, my aunt was local kind of famous singer in Georgia. She performed, uh, you know, weekly at the the hot, you know, Mama's Country Showcase. There you go. (laughs) And and she would do like the the fairs and different things like that. And so to me, she was such a celebrity. She released a record and it was on the radio. And so I really looked up to her and I think I kind of followed in her footsteps. And then I went to a performing arts high school and my brother is also a performer and singer and a musician. And so we grew up singing duets together and yeah, and I just kind of stayed with it. Nice. Were you always planning on like you and your brother doing something together or was it kind of like, let's just see where this journey takes us and then we'll kind of go our separate ways or how is that kind of unfolding? Yeah, I don't think I ever was like, hey, let's be the next Donnie and Marie. But we just, it was just out of convenience. We would, you know, do harmonies together. And then my dad was a builder. So he would build like local shopping centers and things like that. And he would always somehow muscle us into the like grand opening performers. And like we would always get to be the performer of these like local grand openings and stuff like that. And so, you know, we quickly kind of worked off our nerves by doing stuff like that. And we, he was like my security blanket. He was a little bit older than me. So I would, if I was on own I'd be terrified and I would get like red splotches all over my whole body and just like shake you know I was like couldn't really talk I I could only sing you know so it was too much to do it on my own but then I think somewhere around like middle school like late middle school I started finding myself as like a singer really wasn't really thinking about writing songs and stuff too much until high school but yeah that's when I kind of came into my own and then I went to performing arts high school so 
Did you feel like as a singer, I'm assuming at a performing arts high school that you're surrounded by other singers, did you feel like you were like you had the chops to make it or to do something on a, on a bigger level? I can't say that I remember envisioning myself on a stage in front of like thousands and thousands of people. You know, I always had that thing in my mind like, oh, this is totally possible. And I think my dad was a great instiller of that thought, too. He would always say like, you know, what do you want to do? And I want to sing. Well, then go sing. You know, how are you going to do that? So he never made it seem like he wasn't one of those. My mom or dad, neither of them were like oh, well, that's not realistic. They just said, well, how are you going to do it then? If that's what you really want to do, then how are you going to do it? So it was good. I was taught that at an early age. So how did you decide to do it? You decide like, all right, I want to sing. So what, like, what do you do from that? Like, cause I think like there's so many people who, you know, children growing up and adults as well are like, I'd love to sing or I'd love to fill in the blank, but how do I actually do that? So what, like, what was your process then? Well, it was a very much a step-by-step thing like we were talking about. So I went to a performing arts high school. I honed my craft, right? So I learned like, you know, piano and, and voice and harmonies and how to read music and stuff like that. So that was the first step. I think whatever you're doing, you have to kind of be good at what you're doing to some degree. I, I don't think perfection is what we're looking for, but we have to have confidence enough to be able to do what we want to do. So a, a half the battle is the confidence to be able to do it, right? So yeah. So that's kind of what I learned in high school. And then after high school, and also my parents were crazy. They would take us to like clubs and stuff like that, like <laughs> as kids, and we would perform on stage and stuff. And they would like tip the band leader to let us come up and sing, you know, with their band and stuff. So we kind of got to work out a lot of our nerves early on. And my brother's actually still in the music industry today. So we both kind of followed that path and stayed with it. But I would say after high school, I saw this ad in the paper that said like, you know, we need a female singer. And I sent my demo tape in that I'd just gotten at the local whatever. And, and they called me in to like audition basically. So I didn't get that job because they said I was too young. But while I was at the audition, I met somebody who knew someone who was looking for a female singer for the band. It was a traveling band. So I was like 17, 18 years old And I got the gig, basically. I sent in my picture, and I sent in my demo tape, and I got the gig. And then I started traveling the U.S., singing in places like Holiday Inns, and probably the biggest gigs that I did with that band was Vegas um, and then Atlantic City and stuff like that. So the Vegas gig, though, there was this actress named Crystal Bernard. She was on the show Wings, and It's a Living, and she was also Southern. She's from Texas, and so I had a kind of an instant rapport with her, and she saw me perform and she was like uh, next time you come to LA you know I'd love to have you sing on some demos of mine and I remember jumping on the bed up and down I was so excited because I felt like I've been discovered ah you know <laughs> and so but the next step was I think pretty crucial I didn't really have a lot of money because I was, you know, just basically making ends meet in this band. But I called her and say like, you know, week and a half and said, I'm coming to L.A. Well, I had never been to L.A. and I wasn't coming to L.A., but I thought that was a good enough reason to go. (laughs) So I said, I'm coming to L.A. and if you have time, you know, let's do those demos and whatever. And she paid me to do them and we became good friends. And she said, you should move here. And if you do, then, you know, I'll help you. And that was pretty much all it took. And so I took my, you know, a thousand... I think I had like maybe $1,500 and I took my $1,500 and I I got a $600 a month place to live. And that was that. And I started building my career and started singing demos for local songwriters and stuff like that. And that's basically how I got discovered. And I say discovered lightly because, you know, like I really don't believe in being discovered. It's just about like 
putting yourself in the right places with the right people that eventually lead to, you know, you being in front of the right people. What did your family and, and friends think whenever you decided to move to L.A.? I mean, that's a big leap going from Georgia to L.A. It was. Um, and granted, it was like, huge. like you'd been traveling around a bit, but like what was the response and reaction to ever, from everyone? I think my parents were terrified. I mean, terrified. I so bad for them. Now I put them through so much. But um, but they let me do it, you know, and they didn't stop me. They didn't never put like a negative cloud over my head. They just said, all right, I guess this, you know, we kind of knew this was probably what she was going to do. So my dad helped me. I went back home, grabbed all my stuff, and I had a little convertible, and we packed my convertible, you know, to the top of basically like as much crap that could fit in there, and, and he, he drove across the country with me and helped me find a place to live and get my little place all set up. And that was it. You know, that that was how it started. How long were you in LA before you quote unquote got discovered? Well, it was really, really fast for me. So I told you, I started doing demos for people. And then one of the people that I was doing demos for, he, his name was Andy Goldmark and he was a hit songwriter. He'd written a ton of hits, you know, stuff that all of us know. And I just remember looking on his walls and he had like a bazillion gold and platinum records on the wall. And he asked me, you know, do you want to work on a record together? And I I just remember looking at his wall saying it and say, yes, I certainly do. So, you know, so we started, we, we made a deal together and we started writing songs together. And that was basically how that batch of songs is what got me my first record deal. Um, first I did a remake of a chain of fools by Aretha Franklin. It was a dance remix basically. And it started getting airplay by a lot of the dance stations. And then everybody was like, who's this chick? Like that's kind of storming up the charts. And that is what ended up getting me my first record deal with Adel records, which ultimately turned into a record deal with Hollywood records, who was the U S master holder. Nice. Well, one of the things I, you know, I like about that story there is, is it sound, you know, on the outside looking in, sometimes it's, I would assume it's easy for it to sound like, well, I just, I moved to LA and then, you know, a few months later I got a record deal. That's just kind of yeah. the way it worked. But like all the, like you just also kind of outlined like all of the stuff that you were doing ahead of time. So that by the time you got to LA, you'd had a lot of experience. You'd done a lot of performances and these like random types, like the holiday ends and these types of yeah. settings where it's like, <laughs> like nobody see, like nobody cares about that. Right. But you've done enough of that so that when you show up, like you've put in some time, you've invested some into your craft and you're able to not only that just from the being on stage standpoint but also just building those connections and those relationships so that by the time you got to LA it wasn't like you didn't know anyone you already had some people that you were going to connect with totally and I really I mean one thing in my in like I guess you would say against me was I really didn't know a lot of people in LA but I didn't let that stop me and I think that was a big deal a big like looking back I'm like oh wow that would have been so easy for me to be like no I'm you know, how can I pay my rent? How can, there's so many obstacles that I could have been like, ah, I guess I'm not ready, but I just kind of did it. And I think that really paid off. I think that kind of like innocence or, you know, free spirit or whatever you want to call it, it paid off in the end because, you know, then making that record and getting a deal and then, you know, having a number one kind of like in 16 countries, that all was a very fast process. But like you said, I mean, my life had pretty much led me to that point. And that number one hit, that was on your first album that with Hollywood Records? It was. It was called Crush. And it really, that song took me all around the world. I looked it up. I remembered it. I remember nice. hearing it. Nice. It was good. Thank you. So, all right. So tell me, what was that like? You come out with a new album and all of a sudden you have a, was it your, your first single that went to number one? Yes. And so what, like, tell me, what is that experience even like? 
It's the craziest. Like I can't even, it's almost like out of body to hear yourself on the radio after kind of dreaming of it for your whole life. It was awesome and so fun. And you kind of want to be like geek out and be like, that's me on the radio, you know, but, uh, it's pretty exciting. It's a thrill. It really is. And just, you know, also like hearing from people that are proud of you that maybe like saw you in the holiday Inn and kind of followed you and, and those kind of things. That's, I think what, kind of behind the scenes, the special part of it is just that kind of reconnection with people who have believed in you along the way. So, I I mean, we've all seen a lot of number one hits come and go. So like, how do you kind of ride that wave as best as possible, knowing that this is cool while it's here, but I know this isn't going to last forever. So how do you make that last as long as possible? Well, I think touring is a big part because, you know, keeping that relationship with your fans and getting to know them and them getting to know you. And I think your music becomes like almost like a soundtrack to people. So, you know, it's not really about me. It becomes about them and uh, what a song might mean to them in a certain time in their life and stuff like that. So that's a really cool part that I feel like almost has nothing to do with me. It's the weirdest thing. It's like songs become their own thing and they really reach people in different times of their life when maybe they need it. Maybe they need a happy song. Maybe they need a sad song or whatever. They can't express what they're feeling, but the song does that for them. And they somehow feel a weight lifted after they've heard it. Or maybe they feel, you know, it just kind of helps you kind of work through your own emotions. And uh, that's the coolest part to me is just that kind of relationship that the, the listener has with the song. Yeah, I love the, that you brought that up because I think that's so true with, with not just music, but like any type of art. Like oftentimes the artists themselves will come into it with some type of idea of what this thing is going to be or what how this is going to help people or what it's going to what purpose it's going to serve. But you have no idea that the person that is experiencing your art again, whatever that may be, whether it's a music or a, you know physical art or a blog post or a podcast or whatever it is how they're experiencing it on the other end for what they may be going through. That's why I think it's really important just to do what you need to do for yourself and not really think about the outcome in a way because, you know, we can't predict what a person needs. So we have to do what we need and then hope that it touches someone else in the way that they need. And whenever we try and manipulate, you know, how something's going to hit someone is when things fail, I believe. Yeah. So you're that single crush looking here. So it went to number one in 16 countries, sold more than 11 million copies, five times platinum. That's the whole thing just sounds surreal. It is. It's a surreal process because the most crazy part is that I hadn't really traveled outside of the United States very much. And so as a kid, you know, like our big trip was like Puerto Rico, you know, that was the furthest I'd ever gone and it was a big deal to go there. So then, you know, this, you know, my first release was launched pretty much all over the world. And then I started instantly going to, you know, the UK and to South Africa and to the Philippines and to Australia and I mean, literally all over the globe. So it was the coolest thing for me because basically it's like a a paid ticket to see the world and and be able to travel and meet all different kinds of people. And and so that has been my favorite part is being able to travel and tour and just meet people from all around the world. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, what's the second album like? Like, I I know that's, again, one thing that a lot of artists uh, have a difficult time with. How do you follow up the number one? Like there's nowhere else you can go except back to number one. So where did you go from there? 
Well, I, my second record, um, I've put out about four records now, and my second record was one of my most fun that I've ever made because I got to, you know, when you have a little bit of success, you are able to kind of work with your dream team, and so that was kind of put together for me. Like, I'm like, oh, I'd love to work with so-and-so. Done, you know? <laughs> so that was awesome, and I've got to work with some of the best mixers in the whole world, and you get to see like the difference that you know just working with you know somebody who's good, but maybe they're not like great or the best, and and so to be able to work with people who are literally at the top of their game and at the top of the industry, it was just such a fun process. So that was just an awesome record to be a part of, and I had a big hit with a song called "Stranded" on that record. So again, I got to tour around the world and see people and uh, in particular I got to go to Italy which is my favorite country in the world so I went to Italy a lot and um, Stranded was the summer song so I got to perform that song on all the different islands around Italy and so like it was just a blast. You know I think like for any type of career it's easy from the outside looking in to look at it and be like man that must be so glamorous and that's such a cool gig and you travel around the world and everybody's show and pays money to hear you sing and you sign autographs and take pictures and do that whole thing but like what like what's like the non-glamorous part that nobody sees Man it's exhausting truly because you know the big thing is like if somebody's excited to meet you, then you don't want to be like grumpy when you meet them or you don't want to look horrible or you've just taken a, you know, a 17 hour flight to, you know, with this layover and that layover and you get there and maybe somebody has been waiting for you for, you know, two hours and you don't want to be like, oh man, I just don't want to talk to anybody. But the truth is you don't because you're exhausted, you're human, you know? And so, um, you look terrible and then people want to take a picture with you and, and you just feel gross and, you know, you want to give 100%, but sometimes you just don't have 100% to give. And so that's the hardest part I think is, you know, just having those normal human human kind of things, but that being like somebody's special moment that you don't want to like bust, you know? So you always feel like you've got to give, 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 and it's really hard to do that. I'm curious about, I'd love to hear a story of like maybe one of your most like surreal moments as an artist, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to save that for the the bonus. We'll we'll come back in a bit and and talk about that. So don't don't let me forget. So we'll just, we'll (laughs) tease that out there. I'll let you ponder it for a few minutes in in the meantime. So (laughs) let me ask you this. For someone that may be interested in the industry in general, what are are some of those steps that they can take to begin to go from a a dream to actually becoming an artist or a songwriter doing something in in the industry itself? Yeah, and this is for any artist of any kind, like it can be a painter or anything like that. I mean, now things are really great in that you don't have the expense that I had when I was coming up to send out demo tapes and things like that. I mean, we've got SoundCloud and we've got, um, I mean, people prefer to have digital things now. So it's like you've got YouTube channels. And I mean, if I was coming up, I'd be making a, a, a YouTube video you know, every week at least of things that I'm doing in the studio or just a little clip of, you know, my process or, I mean, there's just all kinds of ways that you can get noticed now. And and I think it's just about, you know, putting the work in and hustling and showing, you know, showing what you're good at basically. And I think that's, that's the way to do it. Just basically staying present online and then knowing who to reach out to. And when you reach out to somebody, don't just, you know, basically like this is gross, but don't vomit at them. Like, just don't, don't like, here I am, like, here's everything I've ever done. And, um, you have to be really strategic, like when you reach out to people. So you have, you need to know something 
something about them. This is not all about you. It's about them in that moment. Like, okay, I'm, you know, reaching out to Clive Davis and I know what Clive Davis, what kind of music Clive Davis has signed in the past and what kind of artist maybe he likes and then what kind of artist he doesn't have. And if if he doesn't have it, then you need to come up with all the reasons why he does need an artist like you and what you can bring him. So it's not about like, oh, I need your help and blah, blah, blah. No, like what can you do to help Clive Davis? Like you really have to put on a a spin to maybe your thinking, I feel like. You've got to make it easy for them, number one, and good for them somehow. Like you've got to show them why it's good for them. But even if you can make it easy and good for someone like a Clive Davis, I mean, obviously he's a huge name in the space. So how do you like go about connecting with someone like that? There's, I mean, it's, it's about being resourceful there. You, you can connect with anyone. I really believe that. I mean, it's about, you know, finding out who works for him. Maybe it's not him, you know, maybe who works for him, who, uh, how Twitter, like, you know, you can't stalk people. You've got to be strategic about it. But if you reach out to somebody every month, say, and you send them a song or whatever, eventually they're going to start to be like, dude, this girl is persistent. Like, who is this girl? And they're going to eventually click on your link. And now if they don't like your music, then they don't like your music. But I would get a hard no. And even then, I would keep following up with them as I get better. So it's, you know, you've got to be persistent and you've got to be You know, like I said, the biggest thing I think is consistency and making it easy for them to basically like be interested in you. How do you not give up then? Like if you've been given the hard no repeatedly or just any type of like just being ignored or brushed off or pushed aside, how do you not just throw in the towel and and question yourself? And I guess I wonder also, even for yourself, were you ever questioning yourself? Like, do I need to just go back into the quote unquote real world and just get a normal job? Or am I just wasting my time here? Like how often did you want to quit and what kept you from quitting? I didn't because I always had little things along the way that told me I was on the right path. And I think obviously we can't be completely, you know, unaware. We have to be aware of what's actually happening. So I say that assuming that we're being aware of what's going on in our lives. So like if you're getting little feedbacks from people around you, like, man, this is great, or you've got something, keep going, then those are indications that you're on the right path. And if you aren't getting those, then you need to go back to the drawing board and keep working until you get better at your craft. If it's a passion of yours, I really believe that passions are put in our heart for a reason. I don't believe that anybody has a passion that is is useless. It might not be for your ultimate career, but it's probably going to lead you to your career. Maybe it's behind the scenes. Maybe you're so interested in the music industry that you become, you know, a better manager for somebody because you you know what it's like to be an artist. I think all of those things, those little gut feelings, those little, you know, things that happen in our mind, they're all there for a reason. Well, I like something also you kind of alluded to a couple times where not only do you have to be persistent, it's just a lot of work. You know, if you're making a YouTube video every week or you're sending a new song or a new track to people every month, like that doesn't just magically happen, you know, because you just sat down one day. Like it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of grunt work that, again, nobody sees in order to, to get where you're at. Totally. And that's just life. You know, I feel like, you know, that's the part that nobody wants to do. And that's why there are more talented, less talented people getting ahead of you. If you're questioning, if you're going like, why in the world does that girl, is that girl famous and that girl able to perform, you know, wherever I want to perform and I'm not, the reason is because they're working harder than you. 
Did you find that even as a, wherever you're at in your, your career, did you find that you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, like other artists in the space? When I start to compare myself to others, I know something is really off in myself personally. Like I have never been a person who struggles with comparing myself to others. So when I go into that place, I'm like, oh, what's going on with me? I got to figure this out because this is not like me and this is weird. Because comparing yourself to others just never works. I mean, we're all put on the earth to do our own thing and we all have something different and unique to offer. And uh, I think comparison is the, you know, the, a fast killer. But yes, but is it... I think oftentimes we also kind of like look to the left and right just to see where everybody else is at. Look, so, glance, but don't hover. All right, cool. All right, and that makes sense. And I think that's just an important point to, to make. Like as much as like we want to have the blinders on all the time, that yeah. I don't care what anybody else is doing and I don't care that she got a hit, a hit a record and, and, and you know that single blew up and it's dumb and I don't know why that one did and mine didn't. Yeah, totally. Um, but sometimes I guess it's easy to, to get drawn towards that. Because you know what happens is that that like the more that you are worried about other people, the more you're in this kind of like dark place, right? Where you're like, oh man, I'm so I'm so mad, you know? Like, and then the, you're not able to really create and be positive, and just it, it's a time sucker, you know? So it's about doing something about as opposed to watching something being done. Uh, I'm curious also about how you differentiate yourself because there are a bajillion artists who are singing, you know, similar type of pop songs or whatever the, the, you know, whatever the niche or the genre may be. So what do you like, what do you do to differentiate yourself and how do you stand out? Especially like you, you also alluded to earlier that there, it's almost not necessarily easier to get noticed today, but there's more opportunities for you to get noticed. So if that's the case, then there's more people that would naturally be competing for those, yeah, for that attention. So definitely. Like, what, like, what do you do to differentiate yourself? So we're going to, we're going to just tease that out as well. We're going to save that for the, uh, the bonus round, but to wrap up here, where can we find out more about you? If we want to go check out some of the songs, some of the music, uh, or just check out the breakthrough artist podcast, uh, where can we go? Go to jenniferpage.com. That is, uh, there's actually the, there's a podcast link as well as my music there. And if you go there, then you can get a free download. Awesome. And like any particular download? Yeah, it's a song from my upcoming release. I've got an EP in the works and that song is the first to be completed. So it's an unreleased track called, Is It Ever Enough? Nice, very cool. And if you were uh, if you were born in the '80s or '90s, you need to go back and, and look up that song "Crush." I'm I'm 94 percent confident you will recognize it <laughs> and be like, "Oh, that's the girl! I remember that song." So, nice, very yep. cool. All right, well, again, we've got a couple other questions, so we'll be coming back with the bonus round, and so we'll see you over there. Sounds good. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that interview with multi-platinum recording artist Jennifer Page. Really good stuff there. Really enjoyed hearing her story, her journey. You know, again, like we always like to say on the show, it's one of those things that that success doesn't just magically happen, but it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of putting yourself in the right place at the right time and trying to position yourself in a way that you can be successful and you can connect with people. So Jennifer clearly uh, exemplified that through her story. So really, uh, really good stuff. Hey, as always, feel free to stop by GrahamBaldwin.com, download the bonus material. You can also do that within your app right now. Uh, Just click that link to download the bonus material on the show notes, and uh, we can hear a few more minutes of what Jen and I talked about, including that story I teased at the beginning about an encounter she had with Britney Spears that is quite comical. So definitely stop by, check that out. Hey, also, one other thing I want to let you know about is uh, we're getting ready to do some Q&A episodes with you. Yes, you, the listener. And so what I want to do is I want to get some feedback from you. I want to get some questions 
from you. You you listen to a lot of these guests. Many of you email me. And so maybe you're wondering something about, you know, how do you choose between multiple passions or when is the right time to leave your job or or how do you know what you should focus on? And, you know, those type of different questions that maybe you're kind of wondering with and wrestling with. Maybe that's why part of the reason that you listen to the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a Q&A episode with your questions. And so what I'd like to do is rather than just like reading off an email, I'd like to actually hear the soothing sound of your voice. And so you can actually record us a question. Basically, it's like leaving a voicemail. Uh, you can go to grantbaldoncom slash ask. grantbaldoncom slash ask. It's going to take you to a page there where you can basically leave us a recording message. And there is a chance. It's a good question. Keep it short, sweet, to the point. We will answer that question on a upcoming episode of the show. So again, I'd encourage you to stop by grantbaldoncom slash ask. So, all right, my friends, appreciate you listening. Feel free to email me anytime, grant to grantbaldoncom. Let me know what you're chewing on or wrestling with, what I can do to help you out on your journey to find and do work you love. We've got more great episodes coming at you in the weeks and months ahead. So stick around, my friends. Be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Don't want you to miss out on anything. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.